Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to session 11 of Storm King's Teddy, where we are going to review our session from last night. Uh, Kat, you still with me? Yep, I'm still here. Nice. All right. So um wanted to make a uh, small announcement before we get too far into things, and that is that uh, Finger, Wiggle, Finger Wiggle has... Uh, decided to come back on and podcast with us next week, right? Yes. So um, Teddy's out for about a week, so we will be missing our next session, but we thought we could still keep the podcast rolling, and uh, Winifred's driver has uh, graciously decided to come on and chat with us. I kind of have an idea about what I want to talk about, Unless uh, he's just got something to, uh, you know, something interesting for us. You have any ideas what to do? Um, I got nothing really off the top of my head. The only thing I have to offer is like insight into. Um, spoiler alert! I multiclassed. We hit level four, and I multiclassed. So the only uh, thing I can bring to the table is multiclassing. Yeah, that's definitely something that we should investigate a little further uh, because. Uh, once you achieve one more level in your multi-class, you're going to go from uh, bad to a nightmare Yep. in combat. So, uh, yeah, I'm calling it mini alpha strikes because not everything is in place yet. That's right. Getting, getting close. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll cover that here in, um, in just a little bit. So, uh, picking up where we left off from session 10, our group was doing a short rest right after we had killed the Quadrone and revealed the uh, secret blast door that we figured was to keep something in more than to keep people out. Um, it took five, was it five of the discs, the battery discs that we had collected to open that door? Uh, it took it took quite a bit of them. Um I think five is a correct answer. I think it was five. So, um, but before that happened, we did get our short rest. So you got your inspiring leader back. Uh, up until this point in this dungeon crawl, I hadn't been scratched, not once. And um, so, even after you got inspiring leader back and gave us all our temporary hit points, it was same same for me because I hadn't I hadn't lost anything. Um, but, um, Haslock Char, the, uh, kobold, he went around and gave everyone except Prue, who he was afraid was going to arrest him for having, um, uh, quasi legal drugs on him, gave everyone, uh, a piece of this, um, it was like a rock candy. And what was, uh, what was it infused with? Do you remember? Um, um, under dark, under... It was like kyber magic or something? Kyber, yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Okay, yeah. so so basically, um, it was addictive if you uh, took too many of them, and it would uh, give you a, a high if you took too many of them, but just having one was okay, and it would give you back, each candy that you ate would, would uh, give you back a spell slot of your choice, so you could take first, second, whatever spell slot you could normally cast 
So that was given to uh, everyone, like I said, except for Prue, because Haslek was afraid that Prue was going to um, put him under arrest or something. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so once we had our preparations in place, you and I took up posts on both sides of the blast door and put the discs in and opened it up. And inside? Inside was a Mecha Chimera. And a pentadrone. Um, but it was shown to us that the pentadrone was like chained up or trapped. And our true opponent was the Mecha Chimera standing right in the middle of the room, ready to leap and attack and do and, harm to and us. And that was plenty. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the first thing it did was close distance to the door and breathe fire. You and I did not get caught in it because we it was a cone and it was, you know, we were basically behind the wall. We had some cover. Uh, a couple of the other party members got caught in the in the blast of flame. Um, I think one of them made their save. The other one didn't, or maybe they both did. I can't remember. But there was some damage taken by a couple of the party members from the from the flames. Um. And then the battle kind of started in earnest. Um, Keelan slipped in and went around to the backside of the Chimera. And uh, my thinking was that if you and I got around to the back, um, the other party members could close in. Because as a larger-than-man-sized creature, we had to have four people um, on opposing sides to get advantage on our attack rolls. And yeah. Yeah, so uh, I slipped around, and it had clawed a couple of times. Um, and was that on you? No, it was it was three attacks on you because you snuck in. That's right. Yeah, um, you snuck in behind it. You were much braver than I than and I in this fight. Is <laughs> you went in, you got behind it. It did its like it did like a claw, a slam, and like a headbutt or something, and. Um, None of them connected you, your AC, or they missed the AC of you. But it, Teddy said, like, the the power of each hit, like, moved you back a foot. Like, not enough to move you out of your tile, but, like, the, just the power of the, the attacks alone of the Chimera was strong enough to move you. But I had just by a little bit. But I, I had taken a claw attack still at the door, right? You, yes. It, that landed and took my temp hit points yes. off. So it was the yes. first time all dungeon I'd been hit. I, I knew I hadn't. I knew I still wasn't into my regular HP, but my temp hit points were gone by the time I went around behind. And so, uh, anyway, uh, battle progressed with that. When I went around behind, uh, Teddy had me roll a perception check, which I absolutely aced, and uh, ended up with a twenty-five score. And I saw uh, the battery discs that we'd been using to open these doors. Uh, one in the back of each head's neck. And I communicated that to the party. Um, and then we uh, we had more fighting with uh, Chimera. Uh, just as we started to kind of make some real progress on it, it retreated over by the um, Pentadrone and essentially sucked the life out of it. 
um, all of the broken parts that we had hit and everything started regenerating like it was pulling them from uh, this captive creature. And it was healing itself up. And about that time, I was standing just to the north of Winifred. And it did another flame breath. And uh, I got caught in that this time. So did Winifred, but we were the only two. And I think Winifred made his save and still took enough damage because of previous damage to go down. And I missed my save. If I had still had all of my temp hit points, it it wouldn't have put me down, but I didn't. So it did put me down. So Winifred and I both went down in this fight. Yeah. Um, It was very um, scary because one attack took down a third of the party and one of them being a healer. Um, Granted, we have a lot of sub-healers, so it wasn't tremendously detrimental, as we'll uh, explain here in just a little bit. Um, Shout out to Lars. Yeah, how about... Um, Yeah, Lars was a rock star. Um, (laughs) Lars always says he's a rock star. Yeah, um, due to Winifred rolling for HP, and this is also funny too, is he got... Uh, I think at this point he got like a one and an eight and a one or something like that. Um, he He's very squishy and uh, he did take previous damage from the Mecha Chimera and then went down with the normal breath attack and you went down and I'm sitting here going like, Oh God, like I have one spell slot left. Um, I can like lay on hands. I can cure wounds, but I can't do both. I thought I could, but alas, I can't. And then Lars is sitting here in the chat, and he's just like, "Hey, you focus to Chimera. I'll take care of Keelan and Winifred." And I'm like, "Done." So then um, I channeled my divinity, which I've been using this ability a lot more than I initially thought I would. Yep, I've been noticing um, that. I, I. When I took my oath, I saw this ability as my channel divinity, which is my multi-targeted uh, taunt. Um, and I'm just like, why would I ever want to taunt? I'm like, I don't see the necessary... Well, like, I see the reasoning for a taunt, but I'm like, I don't see myself taunting all that much. Well, this is the second time I've used it. <laughs> and within <laughs> quick succession, twice in this dungeon, actually. Yep. And I taunted the Chimera, and I'm like, because I'm like, I'm still at full HP. I still have temp HP. This thing's not attacking me whatsoever. So I'm like, okay, two party members are down. Lars is to my side. He's going to take care of them. I'm just going to take aggro. And so I took aggro, and then Lars later on, he moved over. He cured wounds. Um, cured wounds on uh, Winifred, Winifred, and then did a, used bonus action to do healing word on Keelan. Yes. So got so us both brought, back in the fight, same round. Yep, and that was huge because I wanted to do that, but I couldn't do that because I'm I'm not that good of a healer. Uh, I I stick and I'm gonna double down on um, getting people to attack me and me do lots of damage. But if we need healing, I can heal too. That's kind of where I am at the moment. Now during this fight, I think Portia said something about. Uh, after like her second or third attack, so well, I'm, I've been worthless in this fight, or my attacks are shit, or something like. Our dice were not the best last night, 
in oh. in a lot of the combat. Uh, there were a lot of inspirations used. Uh, I used two of my three lucky points, um, and still ended up almost dead. So, uh, yeah, we weren't having the best of dice last night, but, um, at the same time, I've certainly had sessions that it went worse. So, um, Prue did some serious damage using Hunter's Mark and that crossbow of hers. She certainly did. Uh, Prue is, I think, taking primary damage dealer as of right now in the party with Hunter's Mark, Slayer's Prey, like all this other... Like Steady Hands or something like that? Yeah, Steady Aim, giving her advantage on hit. She's just slinging out all this damage, and it's just like, okay, it's going to be devastating when she gets her second attack, and then she'll be able to do it twice. And I think... That I think right now that she and Winifred are probably our two biggest damage dealers. Yes. I think so. Um, um, and sneak attack will only get better as time goes on. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, anyway, everyone was keeping pressure on the uh, chim- Chimera while Lars got us back on our feet. And uh, during this time, um, up right before Winifred had gone down, Been, we'd been trying to go after the discs in the back of these uh, the Chimera's heads. And two of them were gone. I think the dragon head was the only one left. Um, I think it was the lion. Oh, that's right. It was the lion head. You're right. Um, and then once um, Winifred came back up, we got that one out as well. Which deactivated the last of the heads, and we thought, hey, we win. But then it went into, like, <laughs> primary defense protocols are down and, um, you know, had basically a burst action left. So that's when it came back up and um, and did one last attack at everyone. And I, I thought it was going to explode, to be honest. Yeah, I did too. Do, pull a predator on us. Yeah, and. I- Teddy was like activating like last chance protocol or something. And I could have swore he was going to say last chance explosion or something or self-destruction or, and I'm just sitting here going like, Oh God, we got to clear the room quick. <laughs> that that was exactly what I was thinking too, but ended up, it was just a one more, uh, lashing out at everyone. So, um, anyway, during this fight as, um, you were damaging, we as a party were damaging this chimera. It was spewing this blue battery acid all over your shield and sword. And, um, you were more than anyone else just getting drenched in this stuff. Yeah. It was at this point. Um, I, um, I taunted the thing. So it was attacking me and then I was attacking it back and landing hits and, uh, and it was just like every hit Teddy was saying, like the, the ooze came off of, um, off of the chimera and it's like, it's, it's not doing any damage, but you know, it's getting all over you. And so normally getting battery acid on you is not a good thing. Uh, this turned out to not be so bad. You're, you know what it reminded me of? There was an old, I don't, I don't want to say it was late seventies movie called modern problems, Chevy chase. And he got covered in radioactive waste. And gave him telekinetic powers. That's basically the entire movie. And 
um, essentially uh, once that, uh, once that happened, he got into all kinds of hijinks, but he walked in, his girlfriend's like, Oh my God, you're glowing. He's oh, not very much. That was kind of the image I had for Tabanay. But, um, after that, after that was done, we ended up talking to the, um, Pentadrone and the Pentadrone, uh, essentially told us that its name was, um, it was a bunch of letters that basically it was five, seven E V one E. So Stevie, if you, um, put all those in caps all the way across, um, and that it had been captive. I, I thought I wrote this down wrong, but was it 40,162 years? It was, yes, I, it's 40,000. I thought it was 44, but it's, it's 40,000 years. So I thought I wrote it down wrong and it was 4,000, which was still a long time. But then I looked again and my notes said 40. So, um, yeah, anyway, it had been in there a while and it had been, uh, captured by a Titan called Antigeus who, uh, was working for Emperor Colseer and they were essentially trying to create clones of Stevie and the best one that they had ever created was this Chimera. And, um, so we saved him from that, uh, when, and Stevie essentially, uh, pooped out a Qual's feather token. It was an anchor and that's what had been keeping him in place, but he wasn't able to get it out of him until, uh, his restraints had been, uh, loosened. So we did end up with that Qual's feather token. Um, and, uh, what else did we get? Oh, uh, also the Chimera dropped five large platinum rods like all the other drones had done they were worth 100 gold pieces each and it also had the three battery discs and let's see so the acid getting all over your sword and shield the first thing we found out was that it revealed it burned away some stuff on your shield and revealed like a eye symbol on the front right yes and it, um Teddy described it as like the Sheikah eye from Legend of Zelda. Right. And then, so essentially your shield became a sentinel shield, which gives you advantage on initiative rolls, which is really huge. And also, um, advantage on perception and wisdom checks. Yes. This, um, this, uh, only happened because, of. Uh, my previous relationship with Paolo Marlin, Amarin, sorry. As a player, I know this, but as a in character, I do not, um, because uh, Portia had to make an Arcana check, and she noticed that the there was like magical energy being sucked up by my shield and my sword. Um, the sword, we'll get to it a little bit, but yeah, the acid burned away the eye on the shield and she said later or Teddy said later on that she would identify it as a sentinel shield, giving me the following benefits as long as I will wield it. And let's be honest, I'm never ever going to not wield that shield. Sure. And then, um, let's see. So do we talk about your sword? At the end of this fight, you heard like a niggling uh, voice in the back of your head too. Yeah, and we uh, this, I feel dumb for this because 
Teddy said, there's a voice in my head and it's calling out to me. And at the, at the very start of it, I was like, oh, there's a voice in my head? I wonder what it could be. Like, completely clueless. <laughs> but then once he started just talking to me more, I'm just like, oh, I'm a dumbass. I know exactly why this voice is in my head. So we didn't really uh, get any clarification on that until a little bit later. But we left the dungeon after uh, searching around a little bit. We left the dungeon. We took all of this, uh, all of the identification for the dead watchman and all of that back to Captain Trailith. And then uh, once, and Winifred did like a very detailed report, um, which seemed out of character for him um, to uh, jump in like that. But um, let's see. Yeah, so all, and oh, while we were there doing the report, uh, both Stormlord Yorick and the one that ran the docks that tried to hire us. Who was he? Uh, Jonas Wilkes. Jonas Wilkes, right. They were both there as well. Um, Wilkes actually seemed concerned to find out what was going on in uh, kind of his backyard. And uh, Yorick dropped yet another bomb on us saying that that um, Titan Titanic relic that we found the toe that we turned over to him it was going to be uh, sequestered in the what was it some kind of vaults Kundrick vaults or something like that it was going to one of the dragon marked houses vaults yeah so essentially we can't have access to it now as was previously agreed on so that's um at least two of the three conditions uh, that he's reneged on. Keelan is not well, well pleased with him. No, but at least we don't got to spend our own money to feed a growing dragon. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, so far that's the only part that he's, um, that he's kept to. And I don't think that was entirely his doing. Um, but, uh, regardless, we uh, we were rewarded with a small sack of diamonds. Said if we sold all the diamonds together, they were worth a thousand gold, or we could use them for three applications of a revivify spell. So you need three hundred gold pieces of powdered diamonds to do, uh, do a revivify. Um, Which so I'm I'm thinking we would probably keep those diamonds instead of selling them. Well, I mean, they don't do us any good right now. Nobody can do revivify. That's true. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it won't be long, but, uh, you know, is that a third or a fourth level cleric spell? Uh, I have no idea. If it's third, we're only a level away. If it's a uh, fourth level spell, we're three. I can't remember myself. Um, anyway, um, and we also got a, a um, let's see, there was also a pearl um, it was worth like 200 gold. I think that's later on. That was in. Oh, that uh, that's right. That's, that came after, uh, we boarded the ship. This was a long session. Teddy yeah. wasn't going to be here next week. So we ran over an hour ish and got into another fight yet to come. Um, so, uh, Portia made a donation of 200 gold to uh, the watch for the families of the men that were lost. 
Prue gave over uh, the lockbox containing the money that we, the party found on the island, 250 gold, 500 silver. Um, and then uh, there was a big party at Spare Parts that Haslechar sponsored, and we all leveled up to fourth level. That's when your sword started talking to you again. Yes, um, that's when I got, as you said, my sword started talking to me again. Um, I had a brief conversation with the sword. It told me his name, which I think is Apophagy or Apophagy. Or, I, he said Apophagy, it once and something I, like that, yeah. I, I, I didn't, I will have to get a, another way on how to say that because I didn't. Or Apophagy. Yeah. Maybe that was how it was. Yeah, it was something like that. But go ahead. Yeah. But he was, I'm assuming it's a he. I'm going to say it from now on, though. Um, it was talking to me. Um, and it was just like, are you, you seem like a good person. Um, like, I don't sense my old master. Uh, is the war against the Kuari still going on? You know, I was asking like all these other stuff. And I was just like, um, and and I answered to the best of my abilities, and in the end, it's just like, what do you intend to use me with? And I'm like, well, obviously, I'm going to use you to protect my friends and my family. And then I even added Valinar, my homeland, and he's just like, agreed. Uh, this is pleasing to me, and like, I will grant you powers. And this allows me to become um, multiclassed into a warlock. And the first level of warlock requires you to have a patron. And um, I chose the Hexblade patron, which essentially the lore is sentient weapons are your patron. And in this case, your sword. Yes, and in this case... That the would be Smiter my... of Nightmares. Um, so that was how you did your level up to fourth. And did everyone else do a straight level up? Everyone else stuck with their subclass. I was the only one that branched out. Yeah, that's what I thought. So um, we did get fourth level. At this point... <laughs> We did our, our uh, leveling up. Uh, I'm, I always take the average score, so I always get five my, with my uh, con bonus. It's a um, it's an eight. So every level I'm going up eight hit points. <laughs> Winifred rolled again and got another one on hit points. Yeah, I, I felt so bad because he's he's already squishy as is with his previous ones that he rolled and then now he gets a third one yes so just, oh. i mean he got max hit points at first level like everybody did and i think it's been solid ones ever since he he got a one the first time his first level his second level he got another one but teddy had mercy upon him and it was like hey i can't I, I can't bear to see you have two ones in a row, so re-roll it. And then he rolled an eight on that one. Oh, so, so it, it did one, get changed. But yeah, but really, for first eight. rolls, this is the third time he's hit a one. Yes. <laughs> and then third level, he rolled a one, and now he rolled a one again, yeah. So, I don't remember what he did at third level, but he's he's been rolling ones consistently for his HP, and that's... Well, it was third. It was third level that he got to change it, right? Because he got max HP with everybody else at first. 
Then he rolled a one at second and another one at third oh, and it got yeah. changed. And then he rolled another one at fourth. Yes. Yes, um, that's, that's brutal. Um, yeah. So now what ended up happening with that? Did he use an inspiration to yes. be able be allowed to take the average or something like that? Yeah, he used his inspiration to um, re-roll, but I think he just went with the average instead of rolling again. Yeah. Okay. So once we had uh, our long rest and everybody leveled up, we ended up going and finding that um, oh, the refugee from the tortured turtle that we found last game. Um, what we thought was a human female, uh, her last name was mayor. I think. I don't know if her last name's mayor and her first name is bell or she just goes by bell, bell mayor, but... I think is, is the name. Yeah. And then, uh, so, um, captain Trolloth came with us. So did bell mayor. And then the six of us, and we went out to retake this ship, the tortured turtle. And, um, when we, uh, oh, also should mention before this that, uh, we identified the cloak from the dungeon as a cloak of the manta ray, which allows its wearer to pull the hood up as an action and, uh, breathe underwater and also, uh, confers a speed of 60 swimming in the water. Um, so Keelan wore the cloak, uh, figuring that either you or I should because of the heavy armor. Um, if we got knocked overboard, being able to breathe underwater might help. <laughs> and, and, and then we went to the ship and then what were the groups we split up into? Uh, Trolith recommended we attacked. Um, we split up our group and attack from two sides, um, two sides of the ship. But then it was Winifred who suggested that one team should go above deck and one team should go through the portholes and go in below deck. Um, and so overall, the we went with that. But the teams were um, myself, uh, Prue, Lars with Captain Trellis went topside. And we yep, went right. with you, Portia, Winifred, and Belmare went below deck. Um, and I got to say, I think you guys had the, had the uh, worst of it. I have no idea what you guys went up against, but I, th- I, I want to say it was pretty fair on both sides. I mean, granted we had the captain, which was the big bad of the encounter. Oh, well, I guess we had the, the harpy thing too. And the snipers up in the crow's nest. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I, I, I guess we had it a little bit worse, <laughs> I think but... you guys had the worst end of it. We had a couple of uh, actually uh, you know, decent opponents down downstairs. Most of them were just, uh, you know, guys that were not really, I mean, they were attacks, but, you know, they weren't going to do any great amount of damage. Two of them could have done some damage. Uh, one of them was a berserker, could have done some real damage, but... Um, for the most part, you know, like I said, with the captain and the that sea witch that you were dealing with, plus the snipers up in the crow's nest, I think you guys were had your hands full. 
We certainly did, especially since um, when combat started, you guys snuck your... Well, not really snuck, but you crawled your way in below deck and kicked things off, and we had grapple hooks attached to guns, and we scaled the side of the the ship, and uh, immediately I got pushed into the water. <laughs> so, so you should have had the cloak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't drown. Um, the, I was still next to the rope that I used to climb up, and Trowleth killed the person who knocked me off the edge and used her aid action to pull up the rope as I was going to climb up to it, like having my movement uh, required to climb. Um, nailed that, got back up. Uh, their crew took care of the snipers in her own way by sniping them herself. Uh, I think we had the better sniper, obviously. Um, and then it was at this point, the captain like jumped down from the upper deck down on top of Lars and just started wailing into Lars. And this is where I didn't use my champion challenge, but I used um, a different taunt. It was a single target taunt this time. Um, and I taunted the captain because I'm like, Trallis is hurt. Um, Lars is a little beaten up. Prue got hit, but she's doing fine. So I'm like, okay, I'm straight up just going to let this guy attack me uh, because I'll, I'll ferret the best out of everyone. Um, and they can just kind of chip away, do damage at him and whatever. Well, it worked out in the end, uh, but the Sea Harpy used Guiding Bolt on me, which gave advantage on next hit on me, and the captain multi-attacked on me and did some pretty nice damage overall. Um, I learned the shield lasts more than I thought it did. Yeah, so, so um, when you you took two hits that round, and I couldn't see you on the map, but I could see the scroll of all the rolls. And you took two hits, and the first one, shield would have saved you from taking, but you didn't use it. Then when the second one rolled around, um, they suggested that uh, Lars could do, or, yeah, it was Lars that could do, like, something of the many. I don't know if it's Fortune of the Many. Um, I don't know exactly what ability he used because he never, like, put it in chat. It was just, like, it was kind of like my Divine Smite. It was just something he could do. Um, but if he used that and you used Shield, you would have avoided the second one. And then right. was it Prue that said, well, if you just used it on your first one, it would count for both. Yes. And Teddy let you go back and retroactively cast it for the first one. Yep. Reminding so, us again that fifth level's fast approaching and we're not going to be able to do that forever. Yep. <laughs> and um, so. Teddy's still being very generous towards us. Um, so you cast Shield on the first one, which avoided the damage there. Shield lasts until essentially the end of your, um, the end of your turn, right? I think so. Or the beginning of your next turn. Because yes, it's, cast, it's, it's cast as a reaction. Yeah, yeah, I think it's beginning of my next turn. Yeah, so it, it would have lasted. You basically, you add five to your AC for the rest of um, 
what is not your combat round until your next combat round rolls around again. Also, uh, immunity from magic missiles, which is nice. Yep. Um, but yeah, so I went in with four spell slots. I immediately used one as a duel. Then I used one as, um, then I used another for a smite. And then I used, uh, my third for shield and uh, finished off the fight with a really nasty, beefy, chunky uh, Divine Smite. And below decks, we had, um, I have to say, everybody did really, really well with positioning. Um, Because for most of that fight, we were swinging with advantage. Yeah, I had I had no visual of what you guys were doing downstairs, but every every time it came, like it was yours, Winifred, or Portia's turn. It's just like, okay, you have advantage. Okay, you have advantage. Okay, you have advantage. I'm like, all right, something's going good down there. Well, it was uh, something was going good and bad. I mean, we were clustered together with a bunch of the enemy, so it was almost impossible to be completely out of position. But we did very well uh, with positioning. So. Uh, the worst opponent we had was the Berserker. Once that Berserker was down, Winifred ran off to go help you guys upstairs because it sounded like, just from the reports that we were getting from all the yelling and everything, that um, you were still having troubles. But about that time, you guys were wrapping things up as well. And the only real opponent you had left, you'd done some non-lethal damage to the captain to put him down. The only real opponent you had left was the sea witch. And she ended up just diving overboard. Yeah, she was like, get me the fuck out of here. And just because I positioned myself for someone to get advantage with her. And I was like, I was right on her I was right on her, and I'm like, all right, we're ready to take this on. And she's like, I'm going to disengage and leave. And I'm like, okay. So uh, everybody, so you guys got to take parting shots, um, attacks of opportunity. No, because she disengaged. Oh, she disengaged. That's right. Um, but it seemed like everybody was taking pot shots as she went down into the water. Yes. So uh, even from under decks, we had people going to the portals and and firing out of them. Uh, she was very nearly dead when Keelan finished the combat in uh, the lower decks and dove out into the water using the cloak to um, close distance with the sea witch, recast spiritual weapon because I couldn't um, I couldn't bring my other one far enough to hit her. And hit her with a spiritual weapon and killed her. But wouldn't have if the rest of you guys hadn't done your pot shots. Yeah. And even if you didn't kill her and got her nearly um, dead, I was uh, up next on the initiative order before she had a chance to go again. So she, I don't think she was getting out of there anyways. But you, you effectively finished her off. And very- I could have also done Toll the Dead. Uh, although, <laughs> as we'll discuss here in a minute... Um, I, in the previous fight, I had done told the dead three times and, uh, I only had one success, but one's better than none. So, um, as spotty as that is, it's still good damage when it happens. So, um, so we recovered, we did retake the tortured turtle 
Um, and then, uh, let's see, we put the captain under arrest. Uh, captain Trolloth took, uh, the captain away. The ship was given to Belmare who, uh, offered to work with spare parts as a trading vessel. Um, and we can basically have the ship at our disposal, uh, but it needs about a thousand gold pieces of work done to it to make it seaworthy. And we were rewarded with a red pearl. That's where the pearl came in. 200 gold pieces. And also a yellow diamond elemental gem in the shape of a trapezoid that will allow whoever has it to summon a earth elemental one time to fight for us. Um, we also, I recovered the uh, Sister Foam's body and her holy symbol was also the same as her spiritual weapon manifested in the shape of that kraken. That's the symbol that we keep seeing carved into people's chests uh, during the necromantic rituals. And I think that's where we stopped, wasn't it? Yep, because at this point we were an hour over time. People were getting kind of tired, wanting to go to bed. So Teddy just wrapped it up quick, nice, neat in a bow. Um, we finished up combat. Mayor got the ship. We need to repair it. Um, it's not in, like horrendous condition i still think it's seaworthy but you know to get it truly seaworthy and as a proper trading vessel it needs the thousand gold so um once again time for the toll the dead report so as previously mentioned um i did cast toll the dead three times this session this long session and uh, was successful one time. So that brings my overall total to six successes out of 23 opportunities for a 26% success rate. Uh, once again, a spell I should be landing 60% of the time. Actually, uh, 65% of the time now that I'm uh, fourth level, um, my uh, wisdom went up two points, so I think my difficulty rating should be 14 now instead of 13. So, um, so must be nice to get ability score increases. <laughs> hey, you had the same opportunity, you just decided to go for something different. I know, I went for the cool route. <laughs> so, um, that, uh, so you didn't increase ability score. Um, what did, do you remember what ability scores other people took? Uh, dexterity for both Prue and Winifred. No idea what Lars did. And I'm pretty sure Portia did intelligence. Yeah, that all makes sense. I could be wrong on that one, but I'm pretty sure everyone took the ASI. Sure. Uh, I don't think that I heard anybody take a feat, but, um, yeah, so, uh, we also get a, uh, ASI next level because when we turn fifth in Teddy's game, you get one point that you're able to add to one of your scores. Ah. Remember that? Yeah. Um, I don't exactly know what I'm going to do with that because all my scores are even. So that would so are mine. I did that. But my strength is going to become a quick 15 instead of 14 so that I can wear plate armor. 
So, mm. Yeah, I had that whole thing uh, schemed from the beginning. Yeah, you you planned much better than I did. Um, so, uh, what else do we need to talk about? Um, I guess that's about it. Um, if there's anything more I do want to talk about, it can be next week with Finger Wiggle about multiclassing and whatnot, and um, any uh, we can learn more about um his Winifred's um sub sub class subclass oh uh, um, what mastermind has to offer for us let's uh, let's also very quickly um you did get to use uh when you cast your shield uh teddy said that it manifested as your sash of rank kind of pulling off of you like dr strange's cloak of levitation and being the shielding force yes so that was kind of cool and uh, Smiter of Nightmares. Uh, also, we found out that it would do two extra dice of damage against... Uh, what kind of creature was it? Huari. Basically, like mindful airs and um, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I don't... I don't know exactly the race because I'm not super familiar with it, but um, there's... Uh, apparently the 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 bane of Smiter of Nightmares is uh, Kuari or whatever they they are, and I do extra damage to them now. Yeah, so uh, it's like I think that Teddy said it was the ones that use like psionic type powers, like mind flayers and brain creepers, and and that sort of thing is what they amount to. So, yeah, two extra dice of damage against uh, any of those or anyone who has been charmed by one of those or is being controlled somehow by one of those. So, um, yeah, three dice of damage instead of one. That'll be pretty tough. Certainly. And, uh, and, and it'll only get better as time progresses. Okay, well... If you don't have anything else, we can drop it here. No, I'm good. All right. Well, um, thanks for carving time out of your evening. I have got to go. I owe my wife a viewing of the new episode of of House of the Dragon. So um, glad to get through this, and uh, we'll get it put in the can and uh, see you at least next weekend for the podcast with uh, Finger Wiggle. Yep. All right. We'll talk to you later, man. 